I like spending a day cooking. So I'm, I'm not the best just like dinner weekday take 20 minutes. You know, I have like a few go-to things that I make pretty well in that space. But like one of my favorite things is just to block off my day and make something crazy. So baking is really well conducive to that because you can easily take eight hours to make a bread. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Grace at Dingbats on Twitter, owner of the blog and community of the same name. Today, we talk about practicing emotions, history lessons through cooking, putting everything on your resume, and so much more. If you'd like to hear a bonus conversation with Grace after the main episode, or you just want to support the podcast in general to help fund future endeavors, consider a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get access to an exclusive bonus mini-episode every single week and access to the entire backlog of bonus episodes and content. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5, so if you enjoy our conversation today, head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners and help keep this podcast ad-free. Let's get on with the conversation. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. Be right with you. And as I said in the intro, we are joined today by Grace Edinger of Dungeons and Dingbats. Grace, thank you so much for joining me at the Dungeons and Dinners table. Brett, I'm so thrilled. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, for the uninitiated, those who may not already be following you, if you could give us a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what you do in the TTRPG space. Yeah, so Dungeons and Dingbats is... Um, I would say primarily a blog, but we're turning primarily into a community, mostly on Discord and Twitter, of collaborators, TTRPG creators to bounce ideas off of one another, find a seat at a new table, um, test new one-shots they're developing, and stuff like that. So um, we do, like I said, a blog on dndingbats.com that is also primarily uplifting of other creators, kind of signal boosting new projects coming out really focusing on the people behind the content that we consume um, and just we're a bunch of goofballs looking to have fun in this space. So You wouldn't happen to be a bunch of dingbats, would you? Exactly. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the idea. Yep. <laughs> that's great. So that's really awesome. That So you, I take it you kind of started as a blog. Uh, how long ago did you start the ending bats out? I, well, I didn't enter the TTRPG space until January of this year at all. Um, so kind of around New Year's, you know, with COVID, I was in a major funk, as a lot of us are. I live in um, a colder area of the world where winters yeah. are really indoors, kind of secluded. And this year was just really rough. And I needed an outlet for creativity, but also socializing that allowed me to stay in my home. Yes. And um, I joined a group, found an amazingly patient DM online. And it just, it just went from there. So I think Dingbat's officially started in early March of this year and um, we've grown significantly since then. So as a, a more recent kind of comer to the space where you said you started in like January of this year for, and that's for like all TTRPGs in general. All everything. Yep. So what brought you like you, the funk is real and I, I feel that I feel that pain, but what brought you to decide on trying out uh, TTRPGs as a way to get through that? It's been something that's been in the back of my mind forever. Um, 
So I do a lot of interviews like you when I'm interviewing creators and kind of hearing their story. And I would say 90% of folks that I speak to started in high school, if not earlier, Mm -hmm. like they had older siblings, they had friend groups that played clubs in school, which I'm just like so jealous of. (laughs) Yeah. Clubs in school would have been great. (laughs) I I didn't have any of that. I I am the oldest. None of my older cousins play like I didn't have any of these these common gateways to joining. Um, But it was something that like my nerdiness kind of always had little pings out into the universe. I kind of picked up on stuff and I've always been a fan of fantasy um, and like horror sci-fi literature that are like common tropes in D and D. And so I think um, the big push that got me was actually another podcast called escape this podcast, which is a combination of escape rooms in a TTRPG, like audio That's setting. That's super cool. Yeah. It's amazing. And so I was like, whoa, if these are real, like I can do this, this would be mm-hmm. fun. Um, and so that was kind of like, it was like the little door, the little nudge that I needed. And yeah, I haven't looked back. So That's cool. awesome. So, but you've been kind of, it sounds like a little bit of a lifelong nerd then. Oh, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So, so it wasn't like a, a big push. <laughs> no, it was just a little way. I just needed that sort of like, pathway there and that kind of connected the dots for me like an older sibling might have for folks otherwise you know so were you doing interview type work before you started ttrpgs and and getting it because you said you had done some interview work so where does that come in yeah well i've i've written in many different capacities professionally and not professionally throughout my life Um, okay started off in like fiction and poetry and stuff as like an angsty nerd teen you know, no, then- <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I do not have stacks of journals of terrible right? poetry. <laughs> oh, no, the bookcase behind me is not full of half used chicken scratch journals. No way. Yeah. Um, so you get it. So so in my professional career, I've also done quite a lot of writing, mostly in um, like academic and science outlets, actually, rather than more narrative styles. But Dingbats became this outlet for me to write way more casually in this style that I love. It's almost conversational, you know, right. it's just like friends sitting down and talking about their passions and the writing can reflect that using a lot of like goofy words and a thousand exclamation points and emojis. If I want to, it's just like really, really cool. And it's actually opened up other writing avenues. I just got offered a freelance position at my local NPR affiliate in the state I live in. So like, wow, congratulations. That's awesome. That's huge. I'm very excited. Yeah. So it's, it's created this really cool structured outlet for writing for me. Well, and that's, that's so interesting to go from more of an academia style of writing to truly the, the most free form, like blogging has no rules. And so it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's however you like, I've written blogs that were more, I thought at the time, kind of like academia style, like very tried to use very professional language and, and stuff. But you're right. If you do want to write stream of consciousness, that's available too. And you can ignore all of Google's underlines and blue, <laughs> like spelling mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, your grammar might not be right on this. Like, you could check your grammar. This is how people talk around here. Like, <laughs> exactly. I can't tell you how many times, like, TTRPG is under red underlined in my blog that just, just add to dictionary. Auto-brain. Yeah, just exactly. add to dictionary. Just done. <laughs> exactly. Then when I misspell TTRPG, then tell me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> when there's three T's, then it's a problem. <laughs> totally. So 
um as as a blog you know there is quite a wealth of content on uh dungeons and dingbats so are and do you have any additional writers in that you've you've talked about working with other friends and stuff and that you are expanding the community out that the community is kind of growing so are you starting to bring more people into that side of it or is it still mostly just within the discord no i would say i'm not even the primary voice anymore on our blog funny enough. oh wow um we have five or so regular guest writers, um, all of which, some of which have their own podcasts. They have their own blogs. They just enjoy kind of the different outlet that Dingbats brings. Um, and the the piece that I am, I guess, quote unquote, responsible for is our weekly TTRPG feature. Um, so every week I um, kind of uplift boost upvote whatever sort of term you want to use a creator with some new ttrpg content for free um and it's it's really helpful i've heard from them because as like they're looking for kickstarter funding or they're searching out other things they have a published piece that kind of like shares what they are who they are links to all their stuff so it's not a lengthy in-depth post by uh, it's not like a game review or anything right like but it goes into who they are as a creator and like their voice in the space. And it, um, it's just a way it's, it's my way to kind of give back to what's given me so much in this community. So that's so awesome. That's, I mean, that's a large part I've said before. That's what this podcast has been like. The, the space is a very giving space. And I feel like after using so many free, uh, people, you know, sharing artwork that, I've taken and used in my own homebrew campaigns and like the most that I could say, like I didn't commission it. So I could say like a thanks, you know, but somebody else commissioned that. I just loved it. Or some people you can't even find. It's just a cool monster. I found on a Pinterest that links to a dead <laughs> art station or something, you know, it yep. doesn't even artist doesn't exist anymore in, in the online space. And so finding a way to give back and be able to share the things that I've learned and bring other cool creators and spotlight them. Um, yeah, no, I think that's huge. I think that that's the work of a community. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's like you said, I I've taken so much. I feel like it has given me fulfillment in ways that I would not have expected in my life. Not to say that my life is missing that, but it's just, it's this really cool kind of holistic, positive force that I now bring with me into other works that I do. And so um, I have the means and the ability. So it's a shame not to. Right. Exactly. I think that it's uh, the number I've also I've talked so many times about the number of different types of communities that exist in this community, like that there it's a just you get into one and they will spiral out and web into all of the other. Like, it doesn't matter which direction you can come from cosplay you will eventually hit D, &D or totally. you can come from D, &D and you will eventually hit cosplay like there's not and they go further and for like the branches that spread out but they're all positive so it's so cool to be in bolt like i feel like i was already because i had an early start in D, &D that I, I got a lot of that positive reinforcement. I'm like, this is a fun and cool thing to do, even if you're in your 20s or 30s or whatever, right? But then I am very recently trying to take the jump to cosplay. And, cool. and it kind cool. of exists in that space some. And just like, do I feel like I do I want to go here, you know? Mm -hmm. But that positive vibe just carries right on over into that as well. Yeah. 
I feel like this is going to sound, I don't know, weirdly deep and kind of strange for maybe this sort of podcast. Sorry, Brett, I'm just going to take over for a second. But like, um, I have always felt almost like a frustrated, creative nerd in my life. Like, so I'm broaching like 30 for those of you that don't know me, you're not watching us. Um, I, I'm, I'm 36. So don't there worry. You go. Yeah. We're good. No, no, no. We're <laughs> feel like, feel way better. Camp. Feel way better about yeah. who you are. <laughs> but it's like growing up and kind of having those like nerd, quote unquote, nerdy tendencies and just like um, bridging that into a creative space is not easy. Like there are so many creative outlets, not are all conducive to all people, obviously. And so uh, I felt this just like personal click with TTRPGs that like, wow, this is a storytelling creative outlet that's collaborative, which I love, but it's also really structured, which is something that I need for productivity. It's not just like a blank canvas. It's like there's a sketch already in there with like mechanics and rules and things to follow and all these other amazing creators to kind of build off of. And having that scaffolding has just been, it's like crucial for me, for my enjoyment and productivity. So again, uh, we'll get off this horse. I love no, it. No, no. I mean, I, <laughs> if, if you are, if you are cool with it, I mean, I, I would like to dig into that some more because I've, I came from, you know, it, it was okay for, me to be a geeky nerdy person but only so far as i felt about it and like my parents were okay with it for the most part like they just kind of allowed me to have my space but that did not mean that the world at large appreciated the the space that i was in you know there you get very few friends and even in the nerdy communities kind of in the you know 90s early 2000s as well there's there was not as much welcoming sharing of ideas between those kids. So like the magic card players would still make fun of the D and D kids. And like, Which they're so both, funny. they're, they're like both equal level of nerds. Right. Yeah. And like, and now they're owned by the same company. So you can't even. <laughs> well, serendipity there. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in a, um, I'm just going to be totally honest. Yeah. Like a really affluent, predominantly white community that same. was, yeah. Which, um, was not conducive to creativity or anything other than the norm, right? Culture, so like, cult like, yes, yeah, totally. So, um, and I, my, I love my parents. My parents were very welcoming to me inwardly, but I think honestly, right. if I were to have really stepped in to who I am now in their household, they might have been embarrassed to some right. degree. Um, and so there was like that social pressure and pressure to kind of perform and be this, like white picket fence family that is just not realistic it's it's a it's a false it's a false idol you know yeah um, there was a lot of leaning on my intel my intellect and my potential future but yes. not on the fact that i enjoyed video games exactly. and you know that sure lego bricks were great but that's because he's going to become an engineer exactly <laughs> i had the same exact same experience yeah yep so you get to a point with with so you, you join the, the community and Dungeons Zingbacks follows very quickly after that. It was it just the I, I I'm just kind of curious like and maybe I'm the one that's wrong on this one for for taking so long to do it, but it it took me a long time to find my voice in how I felt like I could really give back to the community. And 
three months is a pretty quick like <laughs> get on it yeah you did yeah i know you just need to yeah. use were was it and i think some of that maybe there was a little bit less availability for community when i got in right like there the internet wasn't that twitter didn't exist um so can you can you talk to some to that of just that's a that's a quick transition between were you playing i guess let's rewind a little bit and we'll start <laughs> there so my apologies no, no, did no. you jump in as a player or as a dm you said you jumped in as a player you had a, a pretty as a player giving yeah. you know forgiving dm there for a little bit um was it just that campaign and your hook line and sinker or did you start then transitioning to find other games or dm anything i mean well, i'm still in that campaign so okay. kind of I'm, yes I'm, and is really right. my um answer to this question. Uh I when I when I dive in to anything, I dive in. I, I'm not I kind of like I quasi obsess. Not obsessive. I don't have OCD. I'm not claiming right. to have OCD, but I when I especially with hobbies, when it's something I think I could really sink my teeth into, I am First one at the bookstore, buying all the books, trying to review everything. And so um, the campaign I'm still in, I love that group. We call ourselves the Misfits, and we've been together now for seven or eight months. And I see that going long term, which I love. Um, but at the same time, I really wanted to learn about the game. So like looking into lore, I've started buying modules, even though I wasn't DMing and just really trying to understand, okay, what is on the other side of this? Like, how does it run? Um, and, and I came in at a really interesting time, I think in TTRPG Twitter, it was right on the heels of hope for TTRPGs. If you guys are familiar with her and, um, old gets, which is another like big creative, huge, huge. name. Yeah. So, and like role-playing and role-playing was getting mm -hmm. huge. They've taken off. And so there was a lot of momentum around these sort of like goofy ideas collaboration and uplifting of others and mm -hmm. um i don't think it was intentional to kind of join in on that but i felt like i'm a new player i'm someone that's confident in my voice and like asking dumb questions out into the universe and people are being nice to me about it so maybe there's a space where other new players and other people can kind of come together so i didn't really i didn't really see that when i joined in um i was kind of looking for new player spaces and was finding a lot of mixed like claim to be new players, but 90% of the people are actually experienced that are trying to just like flaunt their knowledge in front of new people. And it felt kind mm -hmm. of, kind of gatekeepy a little bit yeah. to me and I didn't want that. So, um, yeah, so I just, I tweeted and I was like, Hey, would anybody find value in me sharing my experience? And that's how the blog started. And it's morphed, a thousand times since then i know you said like it took you a while to find your space it's still i'm still refining that space that's fair so it's definitely not static um but yeah it was really just kind of like well why not you know yeah i think i got so I, it's it's not fair to say that i never tried to give back i think i got shouted down in some of the earlier not like super early days of reddit but i don't know maybe six years ago or so um mm -hmm. where i i came from like i had some experience but it's off and on like i've yeah. played since i can say oh i've played since i was uh, 12 but 
you know, 24 years of gameplay is not it's I can't actually say that because it's like, yeah, I played once when I was 12 and then it was six years before I touched anything else, you know, but um, but I did kind of go and was like, try to put myself out there a little bit and share some stuff on Reddit. And I think that things were. The gatekeeping has been reducing over time yeah agreed but it was still pretty prevalent and i had a couple of i think i did like a monster i had a few misspellings and it was slightly overpowered for its level and the wording wasn't book wording for a couple of things like things were in the wrong order i didn't state exactly how something was supposed to work the idea was there and you could get it but it wasn't like the official format And I got downvoted into oblivion Mm. and got nothing but it didn't come off as negative comments, but it's the the line between constructive criticism and everybody only giving constructive criticism. Like nobody can say that they liked the art that I used, which was actually a personal friend of mine who did cool art. And I asked her if I could turn her stuff into monsters and like. Nobody cared about that part of the post. Nobody cared about the lore that I put in or, the, you know, the effort and the formatting. It was just, this is everything that's wrong. And yeah. everybody listed everything that's wrong. Right. Like, I got it. Thanks. Dude. Right. <laughs> top, top upvoted comment pointed all of that out three days right. ago. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, but I also think that it's true that a lot of like, Reddit is not a new player space. There are new no. player posts on Reddit, but it's not really a new player friendly space. And I think that that is something that having that perspective of being able to just an archive of all like they people will come back 10 years later and go, what are the 10 things you wish you would have known, you know, when you first started playing? Well, like, it sounds to me like your blog is like, yeah, look at my first 10 posts. <laughs> like, those are the things that I didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yes. And we, ha- we have, I try and keep up I call them bags of holding, but they're like mm-hmm. resources banks, like a resource bank for new players. All the creators that I post have a static page with links to all their stuff. And so it's like, I'm and about half of our discord are new players this year also. So I'm hoping that it's kind of that open welcoming like hey ask a weird question and people aren't gonna downvote you you know if you make mistakes like that's great here's some collaborators that might want to help if you're interested like it's sort of that vibe and i'm that's that's a hard thing to work on and i'm gonna like toot my own horn a little bit and say that's one thing we do really well you know yeah i uh, i'm a firm believer in shout from the mountaintops and don't expect anybody else to shout for you so yeah like I'm, I'm huge on the, I, I used to feel that like kind of Midwestern slash Southern guilt uh, on like pride. Like now, now yeah, that's real. <laughs> that goes against, <laughs> that goes against every rule of marketing that exists. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's hard. That's a hard thing to get over, but yeah, for sure. No, I mean, that's definitely, I think that discord is a great place to like the rise of discord is really what a lot of communities needed. I don't think it's the perfect solution. Um, I talked to, uh, I believe Eric Jensen and I had a conversation where we talked about uh, Google plus being Mm -hmm. a little bit early for its time 
that yeah. it, in as far as building shared community spaces. But the uh, the thing I love about Discord is that there is no there's no upvote and there's no downvote, but there is still an interaction in the emojis. Right. But yep. it's largely you can kind of you can negative react, but it's really hard to like feel bad by somebody using like an angry face. Like it's really right. easy to laugh that off. Yeah, ours um, is like a nat one that like has a little go. like comet tail like going into oblivion, and it's still goofy though, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's still like, yeah. So like, like calling out board. mistakes in a lighthearted way. Yeah. Like haha, fail. Like right. oh well, <laughs> fails happen. And, and I'm the first one to admit that, right? Like I messed up. Whoops. And I think that hopefully kind of like carries through. Well, and I think so. that that's just that helps establish the culture. Right. And I think that using something like a nat one, it sounds small, but like nat ones happen. Right. Mm. Everybody has the moment where they have you, at least me, when I plan something out, I always plan like it's going to work. <laughs> of course, right <laughs> like this is the plan this is the time to shine and that not one is it's hard to get over sometimes but i think and 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 it's going to be another five minutes before i get a chance to redeem that maybe like then what am I going to do whiff in combat? Like I'll just miss <laughs> <laughs> like I've got to sit with this feeling for five whole minutes. It's almost worse as a D I just started DMing. I'll say that too. And ah. the first, I've like written a few little like encounters and pieces and stuff. And it's almost worse when your players fail when as a DM, I have not really gotten to the point where I have like all these multiple avenues for success i'm still very very early i've dm'd maybe like three sessions in my life and so when i'm like oh my god what now you know you guys need to succeed you needed to succeed there (laughs) they're like we're running away like no 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 you can't run away there's nothing but void behind you (laughs) you have to go forward because i have a building for myself you know like oh yeah maybe i should think about that one (laughs) that DMing is so interesting because there's no right way to do it. There are, I mean, especially now I've interviewed so many people with so many perspectives from, you know, linear pathways and, you know, adventure modules or adventures league rules as written, you know, dice rolls are never modified to the extreme opposite where Everything is homebrew and I let the players write half of the towns and NPCs because I'm, you know, I don't want to source that stuff. I source it from them and to to like groups where the players, if the DM is sick that week, they still meet up and play. And like they're like, we don't need a DM. We can still (laughs) play through this. We're all experienced players like we just won't do anything storyline related. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. So I think that there's plenty of room to again, it's kind of a find your voice sort of thing. I think run some modules and one shots and things like that. And, and yeah, as you start going, like lean on how other DMS do things. And then eventually you'll find yourself starting to run without, you know, without thinking about how somebody else would do it. Absolutely. It's definitely that practice. will I don't want to say make perfect, but it'll definitely help, you know? And I'm still so new that it's like anxiety, just like, (laughs) 
I, I mean, I, maybe, again, I can only speak for myself, but I can have three different pathways prepared for the players and still walk up to a table and just instantly flop sweat. Right. Like, so, so last week we... um. Uh, I don't have my notes ready. Oh God, guys! Oh, t- I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to. I, I'm trying. I, I know it's just a week. Okay, let me pull this up. Okay, we were at the dungeon last week, and this character did. I like. I'm just. If you guys don't want to play today, it's fine. I know. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. But I think that it is. This came up when in my other podcast is a video gaming podcast, and. Mm-hmm we talk about why gaming matters kind of in general, but it's more of a video game lean. And it had all started because a friend and I had, had finally kind of gotten in and really tried to play Starcraft more competitively. And I am not much of a competitive game player. Um, I like D and D shared games, story experiences, single player offline, whatever. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that very quickly we had to deal with, at least I had to deal with anger and failure in rapid succession, but I had somebody there to help me through it. So we, he and I played head to head a lot to practice and we were about the same level and we would go watch guides or whatever and come back and play two or three hours head to head in like 20, 15, 30 minute matches. And I would lose at least half of them. And every time, just like I knew where I messed up, I knew what I did wrong and some and how to why I lost and having to deal with loss and failure and anger over and over. But having a buddy there to say, yeah, but you also did this right. And then to also be able to reflect when I did win and say, I barely won. You should have won. You could, you know, and, and to share in those experiences, I found that. Anger is not an emotion that I had a lot of experience being able to overcome. And and for me, I have to, I think a lot of people, you have to experience the emotion to then catch when you're having it to then react, right? Yep. The result of all of this, sorry for, for monologuing here, no, but no, no. was that I never had I never had extreme road rage. But I mean, it's, you know, it's Midwest, so people don't drive very aggressively out here to begin with. But every now and again, I would bad day, lack of coffee before work, whatever. And I found that after several weeks of practicing anger and having a buddy there that's like, yeah, but you're not mad at me. So stop being mad at yourself. Like, it's just how we learn. And and catching myself being angry and stopping the anger and stopping because I'm not going to rage. This is my buddy. This isn't right. some random person on the Internet. Like and he just lost the last game. So I have nothing mm-hmm. to be mad about. So I get to practice not being angry a lot. And I got cut off in traffic and instantly that practice that I had put in for like, yeah, but maybe it's not me just happened like it it the same cycle that i had just been taking for a couple of weeks happened outside of a video game and i had this yeah it was this massive revelation it was like i practiced that that is the exact result it was the same phrasing that i had used all of these times to keep myself from being mad after a game and i was like holy crap there's something here like 
I don't think everybody does use it this way, but you can use something like a game to practice handling an emotion. And I think that that portrays here with like the Nat Ones is you can practice the feeling that you think everything is going to go right. I probably also don't start an art project without thinking that I'm going to be perfect, you know? And, and then it's not just practicing it, but then having to sit with it, you don't get to instantly retry. You have to wait until all the other players go through. And, and by then what you want to do probably isn't going to happen anymore because everybody's moved positions. The game board's different, different things have happened. And so getting to experience that on a, on a little bit more rapid succession, it's not weeks or months long projects that you're working on that you finally feel some, you know, devastating moment with it's feeling that devastation. Like, I don't know, probably once a game session, maybe more, um, that you get to practice that. I think really is something that people can internalize. Like I know they say, don't make D and D your therapy, but that doesn't mean that you can't capitalize on your own introspection. I couldn't agree with you more. So I've, I've been in therapy for many years now for a lot of reasons. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like if you need help, you got to seek help and don't, even if you don't need help, try because you don't really, it could get way better. Things totally. can get they, things can get so much better. <laughs> totally, yeah. And so I agree. I don't think D and D is a good substitute for therapy. I know a lot of people joke about that, and like that's cool. I totally get it. But to totally agree with you, I think it's a great way to practice new habits and emotional control, including empathy. Not especially empathy. Like everything for me comes back to understanding others' perspectives and getting out of my own head more or less, you know, like, like how you said road rage, I'm, for example, I'm someone that pre therapy would always keep everything bottled up and then like explode F way too late, right? Instead of having like productive, calm conversations with whomever I'm dealing with, like it would just ah, kind of all at once after it's been in my own head stewing for a long time. And places like D&D and these collaborative games are amazing outlets to practice what you're trying to work towards like I'm working with the team I need to exercise team skills and being open and honest with them in order to be comfortable and make them comfortable and I'll move forward together so um I love that and I'm glad you've had a similar experience because it's been valuable to me too no I mean that's a people joke about like you should put D&D on your resume but there's a uh, I know the CEO of a of a corporation god I'm trying to remember what what he sells um but beside the point he whenever he interviews people he brings them in for a session of D or a really complicated board game that they've that's obscure that they've likely never seen or heard of that has a lot of rules around setup and because he wants he's like I don't believe anybody that says they've been frustrated at a position and how, how they, how, what was a time in your life where you (laughs) were upset or failed and how did you handle it? Right. Right. Like he's like, no, that question is BS. What I want to see is I want to put them, they're already anxious and, and on the spot. I want to make that as bad as I can by no, who interviews like this. This is the last thing that they would expect. I love it. That I pull out dominion. 
and open up a box like, you know, with all the plastic still on. I bought a new copy and I'm going to say, set this set this game up and then we're going to play. That's fantastic. What a complicated skill set you're analyzing. For right. And, and so he watches critical thinking skills, logistics, emotional authority. Like, how do they respond to being put in a really awkward space. The last interview question they'd ever think that they were here <laughs> is the very first one that he asks is here's a board game, set it up. And, and he says that he will evaluate all sorts of things from like, they may not have any code knowledge, but if their critical thinking skills and he like how they assemble the game board or how they deal with logistical puzzles in D and D are a certain way, how they create their character, he may suggest, he's like, I think you would be good at these different types of things. And he's just so analytical that it's like, that's so cool to, to pull out so many real world things from how we play games. Yeah. I mean, Hey, my, like I said, my local NPR affiliate was into dingbats and I'm going to be freelancing with them starting this fall. So I would say, don't be ashamed to put it on there. Yeah. Put it on your resume. Yeah. And if and if somebody laughs at you about it, you can you can explain to them why it matters, and that alone will like as, a, as somebody who is I've been on the the kind of manager side interviewing dozens mm-hmm. and dozens of people, and when somebody can explain why something works for them, why something is on their resume, and you can tell that they're passionate about it, like that is more personality than you're gonna get at about ninety percent of interviews. So yes, actually do put D&D on your resume. Make it bold and sparkly letters next to it so that they do ask you why. <laughs> co-sign. I co-sign that. <laughs> so it wouldn't be uh, Dungeons and Dinners if we didn't at least get to the, the food portion. Um, so I see that you enjoy baking. Yes, I cook quite a bit. I'm very excited to be here. please do so so do you have a like a a signature thing you say you like to cook in general you also in the kind of precast said that you were a baker of some sort so are you uh pastries breads desserts dinners everything in between um i like i like spending a day cooking so i'm i'm not the best just like dinner weekday take 20 minutes you know i have like a few go-to things that i make pretty well in that space but like one of my favorite things is just to block off my day and make something crazy so baking is really well conducive to that because you can easily take eight hours to make a bread or some like multi-step dessert you know so i really enjoy baking. plus i have a big sweet tooth so that's always fun Uh... even if it doesn't go well it's still gonna be Yummy. Still know. probably be it, the batter will be good at least. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. save some of that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I I like to use food kind of in a similar way that I like to play games and that it's storytelling. So a lot of the recipes I choose are either from my own family heritage, which is predominantly Italian, um, to my husband's, which is German and English. And so we get to kind of delve into our ancestry a little bit and um, kind of try new things and just have fun, you know? It's it's also that same sort of middle ground between, like, constraint and creativity where, like, especially with baking, if you kind of mess up the general recipe, 
it's not going to turn out very well. There's certain rules, you know, it's like physics and chemistry and all kinds of stuff that go into those breads. Um, it's kind of forgiving, but not for me, for me, baking is not forgiving. (laughs) Room to play, but definitely things you should kind of follow. And I, I really like love that kind of crux, that space, you know? So I think that is, I think that's a really good thing to like, constraints in cooking i think that create constraints are good for creativity yeah um i think that a lot of times even myself as an artist of many mediums you i i tend to think that constraints are bad because i want to be free to express but all of the best things that i've made come from when I want to create something, but I either lack the tools or the resources or the paper or whatever it is that I I lack a large amount of what I need or some key component that I'm forced to adapt to use what I have. And that itself is create. It makes the product different. Yeah. Agreed. I, I am, I think I might've already said this, but I stare forever at a blank canvas and will be paralyzed in choice. And so having sort of some of those things like, okay, I'm making a bread. I know I'm going to need these few things. I'm going to need X amount of time, whatever. And then I can play within that is really helpful for my, my brain anyway. I, I also get the uh, blank page paralysis and for a long time could only draw on lined paper because it was already, it already had stuff on it that Mm -hmm. I, I had to break myself by like any time I sat down to draw and I was like, I don't know what to draw now. I forced myself to just like close my eyes and make a, a hard line mark that it was to be hard to erase. And I was like, there, now I have to draw from this. This has to be part of it now. Yes. And, and exactly. it was so much easier then. Yep. Yep. So what is a, what is a full day cooking adventure for you look like? Like what's your most recent full day cooking adventure? Uh, so I, I kind of, that's a good question. I actually just put in a batch. It just made some pizza dough before hopping on with you Ooh. today, which I love. It's one of my favorites. Not an all day. It takes about an hour from start to finish. But um, my last all day was a mix between Italy and Hungary, actually. I made Hungarian goulash, which was Ooh. really good. Um, my friends made fun of me thinking I just made hamburger helper, but it's not. It is delicious. <sighs> Oh my lord! They don't get to have any then. They they never get to have any. (laughs) No, so it's not hamburger helper. It is very good. Um, I I kind of gravitate towards like one pot, like bowl. I I jokingly call it like old medieval peasant food. You know, just like kind of like staple, really hearty stuff that'll like feed a feast. Um, No, that's I mean like good crockpot meals. Yeah, yeah. So I made Hungarian goulash and I also paired it with a black pepper focaccia bread from Italy. And that was also very good. So focaccias are great. I love I am very lucky that um, my wife likes to bake. And that was one of like the first things that she learned was like a focaccia. And I'm like, you could just do so much with it. It's a it's a quick, easy bread, but you can make it in a lot of different ways. It's super easy. It's one of my favorites to go to. Yeah. So this one had like a black pepper butter kind of running through that sounds thing. yummy it's good yeah. yeah yeah i did uh you you mentioned hungarian goulash i do a a spin on a stroganoff mm. uh where i use tomato paste so like yeah. a red stroganoff which is all it's it's something it exists but it's a little less common and i also tend to do it as uh like a, a beef roast Yum. so i'll do roast the beef in the crock pot for like 
eight hours or overnight. And then the next morning, then you add water and beef stock and everything else. And it already has a bunch of that, you know, flavor in there. And then egg noodles, tomato paste and and cream. And yeah, that's a. That's awesome. It's a hearty <laughs> meal, but it is like yeah. a, it's kind of a two day. It's an overnight plus a day sort of thing. Yeah. So I love yeah. long meals. As do I. This year. Um, so we live in Michigan, in northern Michigan, and um, we are fortunate enough to have a, an acre of sugar maples in our yard. It's just, we live in the forest. And so we tapped our trees this year for maple syrup, which is also like a multi-day quite this process this spring but it was super rewarding using like going outside and taking from your own yard it was just very cool so yeah i, I mean like, like herb gardens are great but tapping tapping a tree that's that's a that's whole cool. nother that's so awesome did you get yeah. it so like i don't even know i've actually pondered that a few times of like thinking about going out and trying to do that or finding somewhere to do that what is the kind of return on investment of that process look like sorry like, i'm laughing because really it's get? hilarious um you get it's about a 40 to 1 sap to syrup okay return so 40 gallons of sap returns a gallon of syrup oh which 40 is to not one a that lot. direction yeah and, and that, you're not you getting know, a, you're not getting like a huge amount of sap to be the trees are not rushing rivers are they like we um so like do you know a beer growler Kind of like yeah. we got about a growler a day from each tree. Really? So a little less than a gallon. That's yeah. still a lot more than I would have expected. Yeah, it's a short amount of time, though. You only have about a week or two window. Um, It's like a temperature differential day to night that oh. kind of squeezes the sap out of the tree. Okay. It's not. Sorry, that's not super <laughs> yeah, sciencey, but that's <laughs> kind of, yeah. So we ended up getting in total, we still have a few bags of frozen sap in our freezer, but um, we ended up probably like a half gallon of. Wow, that's syrup. still pretty, like, is Enough, there, right? right, so I've, I don't think I've ever had like old, I've never had from the cow milk, like that I could see the cow, right? And I've never had like from the tree syrup. So is there, is there a huge difference of like freshness? Um, if you get regular, like actual maple syrup from a grocery store, I'd say it's pretty close to that. I'm not okay. talking about like the butter not, flavor not, syrup that's really thick and you know what I mean? Not, not like, the, uh, corn, corn syrup. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like hungry jacks or any of that. It's like, right. it's really thin and it's lighter in color, um, it's really good. It's just kind of tastes like a nice natural sweetness. It's not like mm. so, it's not like so, super heavy and thick. Yeah. Here's here's where we go then. Uh we'll we'll bring contention in before Patreon. Oh. <laughs> I I I want to say for Patreon, but I've saved a lot of contentious stuff for Patreon lately. So the the, the we're going to go into a space where for those of you who aren't signed up for Patreon, you're going to get to enjoy something that normally the Patreon people get every week. So consider this a treat and maybe think if you like where we're about to go that maybe think a few dollars extra on Patreon for those extra episodes. So I've got to ask with with this from the tree syrup, does it go on waffles or pancakes? Ooh, I'm a waffle girl. Waffle. 100%. <laughs> um, only because I love my waffle maker It is one of my favorite universal kitchen tools you can make a lot more than just waffles in a waffle maker so i would say if you don't have one it's a great investment 
So. When I found out that I could take the the like Pillsbury pre-made cinnamon roll dough and squish yes. one of those into a waffle iron and have a cinnamon roll in like th- three minutes, I was like, this is it's over. <laughs> it is- <laughs> yeah, we do um, like a it's very like a sacrilegious latka latkes in those all the time. Potato pancakes mm. that are really delicious. They're just like. It's almost like a hash brownie type thing. Um, I was about to say I I could put a hash brown in a waffle because yeah, I don't like yeah. I don't like the mushy hash brown. Mm-mm. I'm a crunchy like it's got to be French like better than French fry level crispiness. Yeah, like, Bagler level crunch. Yeah, put anything in there, man. They're great. Little Did things. you say Wheaties? Paninis. Oh, paninis. <laughs> okay, I was like I was like okay, we're putting cereal in the waffle. Are, are we putting it in the waffle maker or the hash browns? I'm not sure where we're going here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, I could, yeah, panini could go in a waffle iron. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah, lots of stuff. Do, it, do you use like a flat iron adapter for the waffle iron or are you waffling your paninis? I'm waffling paninis. Are, does that give you better like sauce adhesion? Are you using that to, for like a guacamole holder? Oh, well, I will now. That's a great <laughs> idea. No, I hadn't thought about that. It's just easier for me. I don't know. I'd much rather like smash it down than get out a pan and do all that stuff, you That's know, fair. like spraying down your awful iron. I sound like a crazy <laughs> person today. I don't know. No, no. I think that the, if there's one thing that this show is, has come up with, I think I'm not sure if that's on the Patreon or not, but if it is, um, we'll, we'll still give it here as well. Cause we're giving people a sample is, uh, we had done, I, I, I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember the exact guess. This was a few back. Um, we'd come up with, you know, you've heard of chicken and waffles. Um, now we're going to do steak and pancakes. Ooh. <laughs> and not like breakfast steak, not like that okay, thin, okay. gross yeah, cut. Yeah. Like a, we're talking like a KC or a filet and a, and a stack of flapjacks. Or at the very least, like a country fried steak. But mm-hmm. the breading just do like in the same way that you would tempura batter shrimp, like tempura batter, a country fried steak and pancake batter. Like yeah. I could probably That'd go for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we come up with weird foods here, like in the same way that we homebrew monsters. I'm all yeah, about the exactly. panini and a waffle iron that gives you access for better like a sriracha mayo. Like it's the ball about the little holes. You got yeah. all little cups. You got sauce well, cups. It's kind of like D&D. Like when I think about writing things, I like to think about different ways you can use it. And like I am, I don't like, this is a Alton Brown from the Food Network term. I don't like unitaskers, things mm-hmm. that only do one thing. If yep. I can find a tool or like a module or an encounter or a monster that I can use in a variety of different situations, I'm all for that, you know, so no, That's I think iron, I guess <laughs> Alton Brown is definitely kind of one of my heroes. Like, yeah, eh, for me, Gordon Ramsay's a little bit too much drama and I've already worked in enough Hell's Kitchens yeah, to, to not ever <laughs> want to have to deal with. Like, I could never perform on that level to begin with. And that level plus the line cookiness, like you don't need the line cook anger. You just don't. Yeah. And and but Alton Brown is like. I just I want I would I would ask for a hug from like I don't need a signature, but if yeah. I could have a hug from Alton Brown, I feel like that would be very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
totally he's so cool and he's so scientific too it, it, mm-hmm. we keep coming back to this right it's like creativity and structure he is like right in there another makes sense why we like him right <laughs> yeah, definitely he's he's i do love that because he's not just like happy-go-lucky like you can no. see him shift gears like he'll shift into that serious mode it's like the hand wipe across his face and he's like now we're good well, now we're talking chemistry Right. And and like the chemistry of olive oil and why the lemon <laughs> brings it out and the acid and the like and it's like yes give me the, give me this knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So I think that and, and this is why I think there's so many good pairings because creativity and structure are like you said they are recipe books right like the it's why I look for. 20 different recipes to cook one item. And then I kind of see what all they have in common. I try to understand where they're different. And then I throw all of that out the window and go try to make it right. And, and I think that in the same way, cause it, it is that I want that freedom to do things, but I also want it to taste kind of like what it's supposed to taste like. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so, so much the same way that that's how I love to play D and D or any other TTRPG is I'm going to devour the rule book. And I'm going to try really hard to understand everything raw. And then I'm going to sit down at a table and throw it out the window and play whatever <laughs> game that I came here to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need that understanding though, or you need that base, you know? Yeah, it I is. Do. It is important to have some things. I mean, there are systems that are more conducive to no rules than d Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I think that, I think that you, both sides of it are important. I think that, even people that I know that run Adventurers League or Rules as Written who will roll their dice in front of everyone, like they still have to make judgment calls. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're running an adventure, it there will never be an adventure published that has an op every single option that a player can take in there. Right. Beca- because they'll find something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing players are good at. It is that one little niche that isn't carved out yet they're going for. And the, oh, it's the only, it's the first thing they think I of. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Very first thing. <laughs> I love it. And so I think that like from there all the way to the, you know, it's kind of the home brews and the creative worlds and stuff. It's very you could say that you could point to the creativity there. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's still tons of creativity to be had in adventure modules and one shots. If you haven't run a one shot or an adventure module, because you feel like you may be stifled. um, Don't (laughs) try it out for sure. Um, Yeah. And make it. Yeah. They're, they're so easy to read. You could slot them in anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, the the whole stance of creativity and structure is, I feel like a very universal thing um, in in having and in, in keeping in mind at least that applying in anything that you do, apply some of your creativity within the boundaries that are available to you, and and express yourself openly through whatever task you're taking, as long as you're doing it in a way that is you know conducive to the task that's being done. Yeah, find find your space, you know. And for it sounds like us, that was kind of within the confines of some other spaces. Um, I don't, not all people, I don't think need that, but it definitely helps, in my opinion. No, but I, I think, yeah, I think it does. I think 
the creativity of something like Dungeons and Dinners, where it's it's mixing two things that when you really do start to compare them, have a lot in common. Um, yeah. But probably a lot of people don't think of them necessarily in being in the same space. And I think that uh, something like Dungeons and Dingbats, where you've got a, a very new approach, a new perspective on how to uplift a community, how to... I, I've seen a lot of blogs resurfacing. Blogs kind of died for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I think vlogs took over and then like the rise of youtuber personalities and influencers <laughs> that's the word i was looking for influencers kind of killed off vlogging because then it became kind of ad heavy and not that it's dead right. in any means or it's a bad way to approach that but i think it became very monetized and i yeah. think that blogs are are returning i've seen a lot of people going back to blogs and saying either they've had an established blog for a while or a new one and people are I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought that people were seeking that out and like, but it's becoming a popular way to build and share community stories. And I think that that's a really awesome thing to do. Well, thank you. I, I enjoy it too. We need to have some sort of dingbats and dinners. Dingbats and dinners. Thing. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Hey, <laughs> I, I, right after this, I mean, as much as I'll shout uh, for people to, if you, for, for a single dollar, um, get in on the D and dinners discord. And I only say that I've not opened it up fully yet because it's kind of still under construction. So it's for the early access discord is currently <laughs> Patreon only, but, uh, immediately when we're done here, I guarantee you that I will be joining, uh, your disc. I've got yes. discord open, so I yes, will be it there. Is totally open. <laughs> open and free to anyone that wants to join. You're welcome. We'll get there soon. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot more work to do there. Uh, well, Grace, is there? Uh, I would like to open the floor to you, as I do for all of my guests, uh, as we approach the end of the show. This doesn't have to be the end, but as we approach that, um, I want to give the floor over to you. If there's topics that we didn't get to today that you want to talk about, and or if there are certain shout outs or anything that you would like to say, uh, I cede the floor over to you. This is your space. Well, thanks, Brett. Yeah, um, topics wise, I feel like we covered a lot of ground and also not a lot of ground in the we kept coming back to the same stuff, which is so cool, right? Very synergistic conversation. But I will never not take the opportunity to just kind of shout out where people can find me and find the dingbats in general. I am not the only dingbat. We have a discord of over 100 folks um, that kind of label themselves as such, which is really fun. So my discord is open. You can find it uh, on our website, which is dndingbats.com. Um, on there, you'll also find a lot of other stuff, a lot of resource tools um, where we've, myself and other dingbats have sort of guest appeared in the past. So you can see kind of the, the vibe we give off if you're maybe questioning if you want to join us. Um, and of course, the Discord. Uh, I'm active on Twitter, which is also at dndingbats. Um, and really just ask a bunch of weird questions and goofy D and D ideas kind of out into the void. So, um, if that's interesting to you, please join our little crew. We'd love to have you. I can't say that better myself. I think your little crew is amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be hopping in the discord. The blog is fantastic. There's, I do like the, uh, the little bags of holding, um, all of the little comments, tons of cool writers. So definitely go check them out. And, uh, 
join another, uh, just another community. You, there's not, I don't think there can be too much community. So whatever projects that you are already taking on, if you are looking for resources or people to bounce ideas off of, or just somebody to talk to, or just lurking. I love lurking. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, I will shout out one more thing. Actually, a call to action yeah. for anybody listening. If you are a DM or GM that would be willing to run a one-shot or small campaign or have seats open at Airtable, we have tons of new players looking to get into the space and searching for tables to join. Um, we have like a D and a DM player matchmaking spreadsheet that we kind of are trying to get folks into this space in an open and welcoming way. So um, kind of just put that plug that last. Yeah, plug. no, that's awesome. I will, I'll shout that out. I'll shout that out on Twitter too. Cause I think that the, it really is D and D matchmaking. It really is dating of, yeah. of a whole nother level. I'm surprised that there's not like just a, a, a an app, like a Tinder, but for D and D, um, because it really is, it's, it can be hard online, online D and D dating is like yeah, play, players that I, that share my same, you know, acceptable qualities and personality that I could share a table with or DMS that run a game that I want to play. Like it can be difficult. So that's, that's doing the Lord's work right there. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. I don't know about that. <laughs> 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 all right grace do you have anything else before we sign off today i'm all good thanks all Brad. right well we'll uh, see you over on the patreon episode and we'll record a few more minutes over there i think i've got a couple questions we didn't answer so <laughs> sounds good thanks <laughs> bye so that's all for the episode today thank you all so much for listening all of the links and contact information discussed can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch, you'll find that I'm most active on Twitter at and dinners. That's A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S. If you're interested in supporting the show or interested in the entire backlog of exclusive bonus mini episodes like today's bonus mini-sode with Grace, where we talk about what they plan to do with their pizza dough, the most complex dish that they've ever made, and the biggest lessons learned from their failures— or if you just want to help keep this podcast ad-free, consider tossing a few coins over to patreon.com slash Dungeons and Dinners. If you're looking for another great podcast to listen to, you can check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why video gaming matters, hosted by myself and my dear friend, Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is this secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.